Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here, happy to be with you on the second Sunday of Advent as we continue our series from generation to generation. Uh, Last week we talked about how we might embody the fullness of God's story. Today we turn to Mary's story and we see how God's story is one of liberation and one that invites you and me and us and our communities into that unfolding work. Check out the sermon here. Good morning, I'm Marcia Stickle, and I will be reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 28 to continue, to, to continue our Advent series from generation to generation. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel <clears throat> was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to the man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is in the sixth month for for her who was to have said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Holy words for God's people. Uh, Good morning again. Um, Good morning again. (laughs) Um, You know, this week I I had a call with some uh, colleagues, uh, pastors, and we, we talk about once a month. Um, and uh, usually we, we touch base uh, to just check in how things are going or check in about, you know, ideas or questions or, or, or you know, programs that we might be doing, and it's, it's a good call. We've been doing it for a little while now. Uh, but every so often, especially around uh, busy seasons, right, high seasons, uh, Advent as we lead up to Christmas or um, um, a Lent as we prepare for uh, Easter, uh, by that point, all your preparations are to be done, and so we kind of don't uh, talk about that. And what we talk about instead is we reserve about 10 minutes uh, for each person on the call just to share. Um, not about work, but we sit there and we receive the stories of how they are doing as individuals. And we keep it to 10 because we have some in our group who tend to take more unless they're cut off, right? And so we say, hey, you got 10 minutes, remember? But others of us, you know, we don't have that space to always share, (laughs) 
you know? Um, in case you're wondering, I'm one of the ones that goes over, so the 10 minutes was for me, not for anybody who might be watching right now. Um, but I'm, you know, uh, there's spaces where we don't actually get to share who we are. We don't get to share about some of the struggles we're dealing with, or we don't get to share about some of the uh, ways that we're looking for God to show up in our lives. And so uh, it reminded me this week, as I was sitting on this call, just the beauty of that moment, and how my hope and my prayer is that our community is one like that. Right? We come to this space and to this moment in worship uh, Sunday mornings once a week, uh, bringing all of what we've done, right? So much busyness in our works and in our families and planning for Christmas and all of those things. Um, is there ever space for us to simply be, to, to, to share about our hearts, uh, share about who we are? And so uh, my hope and my prayer is that um, this time together is that. For those of us who are worshiping here on site, online, let's build community together. Let's be that for one another. And what that includes is also uh, declaring that this is a place where all are truly welcome and where all belong. And that's important for us. Uh, We name that as a value of who we are and who God calls us to be. And so we want you to know that this morning, whether you're worshiping with us online or here on site, you are welcome and you belong to our community, to this community, to God's community. And especially for those of you who have been pushed out or marginalized or kept out of places in community or in worship even, places of faith, uh, know that you are welcome and know that you belong. For us, that means if you're a gay or lesbian, transgender, bisexual, or questioning, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. Uh, If you're black or brown or indigenous, if you've been discriminated against because of the color of your skin, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. If you find yourself homeless or houseless or in the lower economic brackets of our community, uh, if you are single or divorced or partnered or separated, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. Uh, With all of your unique gifts and abilities, uh, created to be bearers of Christ's image to all the world, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Oh God, be present here and in all the places from which we are worshiping move in us and through us that we too would be moved and changed. Speak to us, we pray. Less of me, more of you, none of me, all of you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, I was listening to a podcast uh, a little while ago. It it was a conversation between uh, chef and restaurateur David Chang. And uh, his guest for the episode, uh, she is chef and author Madhur Jaffrey. Uh, she's also known as the queen of Indian cooking. And in this episode, uh, David Chang was talking about his recent travels to India, um, how uh, there's this beautiful relationship between food and culture. And he shared how much he loved visiting all the amazing restaurants and, and, and checking out all the local street food. And she interrupted him. And she said, oh, that's all great and all, but, but did you actually go into anyone's home? And he responded, well, I mean, a few, but, but, but not as many as I would have liked. And then he continued and said, can you tell me why Indian food is that much better in the home? And her response was amazing. She said, because they're not trying to make it special. <laughs> she said, when restaurants make something special in India, which is a poor country, they, they add butter and cream and all these other things to make it richer. They, they do all these extra things to make it special, but at home, they cook it like you're supposed to cook it, right? Simple, authentic, delicious. 
And they went on to talk about how when you cook for family, right, you cook for the joy of sharing food, of, of being together, of, of sharing love. You know, when you cook for family, you, you cook for survival because your family needs to eat, to live, and, and it's your love for them that is experienced through that food that you make. It's not like when you have guests come over, when you, when you try to make it special, when, when you're more concerned about judgment or critique or, or acceptance or, or approval. I remember one year uh, we were living in Princeton. Uh, we were hosting a, a Friendsgiving with some friends, and, and we had spent all morning with, when the windows open, air, airing it out. Uh, the oven was going. All the stovetops were on. We were running around putting things away and, and vacuuming and, and cleaning, creating the perfect environment for this meal that we were about to have. And I remember about halfway through dinner, I was checking up on my guests and, and making sure that they didn't need anything and refilling everything. And, and one, of, one of our friends followed me back to the kitchen and, and he stopped me and he goes, hey, hey, Joe, are you having any fun? He said, relax, man, relax. You know, sometimes our preparations don't prepare us at all for what is important. <laughs> And yet here we are in the second Sunday of Advent, Advent from the Latin root for coming or arriving, these, these four weeks that are intended to be for us a time to uh, anticipate for, to, to prepare for, to expect for the coming of Christ to this world. Here we are in the season of Advent, busier than usual, right? Decorations to put up, cards to send, presents to buy, gatherings to schedule. About a, a decade ago, a liberation theologian, uh, uh, he's Peruvian theologian, Gustavo Gutierrez, he, he was speaking uh, around this season at, at the University of San Diego, and he closed his talk by, by talking about what he called the defining prayer of our culture. And he said that our defining prayer goes something like this, our Father who art in heaven, stay up there. Rather than pleading with God to show up, rather than praying for God to be present, to, to bring forth a new kingdom of hope and, and joy and peace and love, our culture's desire is for God to stay over there, right? Stay there because we're not ready yet. Stay there because we still have work to do. Stay there because we're still getting prepared. Yeah, that's the problem with, with being so busy, with, with keeping ourselves so busy. The, the problem of being so concerned with all the to-dos, it, it's when we keep ourselves so preoccupied with the things over there to do, we lose sight of what's immediately present before us. That's what I want to spend a little bit of our time this morning thinking through. Last week, we talked about what it meant for us to fully embody God's story. Today, today we take a look more carefully at Mary's story. And we're in the gospel according to Luke, and in, in this gospel, we don't actually know too much about Mary. She was a young peasant girl from the working town, uh, working, small working class town of Nazareth. It's a town with little to no significance to the world at large. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph from the house of David. And then she's visited by this messenger who, who comes to her and, and simply says, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. A couple things to note here. Well, the first is this, Mary doesn't really do anything. <laughs> 
Mary isn't praying. (laughs) She's not pleading for God. She's not looking for God to be present in her life. We don't actually know the extent of her relationship with God, whether she was one who was faithful or practiced her faith regularly, whether she'd be considered devout. What's important in our text is that God came after and sought Mary. The angel Gabriel is the one who came to her. But here's the second thing. Listen to what Scripture says is her response. And I'm in verse 29. Uh, uh, It says, she was much perplexed by his words. Uh, This word perplexed, it's translated from the Greek. Sometimes uh, it's confused, but also it it means disturbed or or agitated or, or deeply troubled. And for those of us who know the rest of the story, this this makes sense that Mary would be all these things, right? Mary is a virgin. She's going to conceive a son through the Holy Spirit, a son who will be called the Most High. She'll be one who's, she will give birth to the one who will be given the throne of David, his father, King David, his father. This will be a son who will reign over the house of Jacob forever, the, the ruler of a kingdom with no end. Mary is about to be pregnant and to carry and to give birth to the Son of God, but not yet. So far, the only thing that the angel Gabriel has said to her is the Lord is with you. She doesn't know anything else to come. Only that the Lord is with her, and she still responds perplexed and confused and disturbed and agitated and perhaps even deeply troubled. think we're really honest with ourselves. That's, that's probably how most of us respond when God shows up, when we experience God's presence, when we experience the fullness of God's promise that God would be and is with us. Like, uh, what? Me? Why me? Right? I'm sure that God has so many other things to take care of. I'm sure that God has so many bigger things to take care of, more important people to show up for, but me? I remember uh, the first time I, I ever preached, uh, ever. It, w- it was in Washington, D.C. It was in uh, the office of the General Board and Church and Society of the United Methodist Church. It, that's the social justice uh, branch of our denomination. And if you've never been, it, it's definitely worth the trip. In fact, be on the lookout, uh, because in the next 10 years, we're going to start uh, announcing these trips that we're going to do. Uh, we're looking at uh, Israel-Palestine, uh, Greece-Turkey, uh, England. Uh, we're going to do the Southeast U.S., and the Northeast U.S., and so these are going to be spread out across the next 10 years, so uh, be on the lookout for that. But until we do go, let me describe this place for you. It's, uh, the United Methodist Building is the only non-government building on Capitol Hill. Uh, it was built in 1923, and it's wedged. It, it, I mean, it looks like a wedge. It, it's wedged between, on one side, the Senate office buildings, on the other side, the Supreme Court and the U.S. Capitol in front of it, and all within, like, walking distance. You could throw a rock and hit some. Don't do it, but you could throw a rock and hit some of these places. And while later on I would go on to be called to serve as Director of Children's Rights Advocacy, at that time I was a college student intern preaching my very first sermon in the historic Simpson Memorial chapel. It's named after Bishop Matthew Simpson. He was a public figure for anti-slavery and a personal friend of President Lincoln. See, with, with, with these tall windows on the side, you're able to literally see the Supreme Court 
through it, and I stepped into the pulpit, the same space where, where Dr. King and others stood, and I remember asking God, me? Why me? And maybe you've experienced this too, right? This feeling of doubt, or this feeling of not knowing, or this feeling of putting trust only in yourself and not letting go to the promise that, that God is with you. But, but see, that's the amazing thing about God and God's nature. Because God calls Mary a, a she, a, a child, someone from a small town from the wrong side of the tracks, and God says, hey, remember, I am with you. For all the challenges that she had already faced to her life at that point, God still says, hey, remember, I am with you. And for all the ways that society will cast her out for becoming pregnant, for for carrying this child, God says, remember, I am with you. And for the promise that the work of God has been and will be one of liberating God's people from oppression and injustice, God says, remember, I am with you. Remember, I am with you. And Mary says, here I am. Here I am, the Lord's servant. Let it be. According to your will, here I am. Later, we'll hear Mary sing. It's called the Magnificat. And and I want you to hear this from the message translation this morning. I'm bursting with God news. I'm singing the song of my Savior, God. I'm dancing the song. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy set apart from all others. God's mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before God. God bared his arm and showed God's strength, scattering the bluffing braggarts. God knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled the victims out of the mud. The the starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. God embraced God's chosen child, Israel. God remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what God promised, beginning with Abraham right up to now. What did you hear? Did you hear angels sing the beautiful choral music accompanying these words, like the majestic arrangements of Bach and the light and airy pieces of Haydn and others that we've come to expect this Magnificat to be set to? Did you see a, a, a young and, and pregnant and vulnerable girl, feeble and, and meek and mild, cowering as she recited these words? Or can you hear... The words of a strong peasant girl from the small working class town of Nazareth. Can you hear and see a different Mary, a a, a bold Mary standing before the angel Gabriel announcing to him and to the world, here I am, the servant of the Lord. 
Can you see a Mary who, who accepted the call and then traveled the 100 miles or so, likely on her own, across borders, out of survival for herself and her child? A Mary who, who had the audacity to be filled by the Holy Spirit as a woman? And then to challenge the very systems that kept her and her people oppressed. Uh, Mary who, who walked in the legacy of generations and generations that came before her of Hebrew women like Shipra and Pua and Deborah and Jael and Hannah and Esther and Judah. All of these agents of liberation for God's people. What did you hear? Because this song... This, this beautiful song of praise is, is more than just that. See, the song is a call for revolution that might bring forth God's promise of love and of justice. It's a reminder that God moves from the place of perplexity and confusion and being deeply troubled to, hey, remember that I am with you. Remember that I am with you now and will be with you as we journey together towards that preferred future. Remember, it's an invitation for us, like Mary, to, to say yes, to say here I am, to say let it be done according to your will. It's an invitation to partner alongside what God is already doing on earth in and through us. I want to make that invitation this morning. I want to name that just as we believe that God spoke to our foremothers and our forefathers of the past, just as God spoke to Mary, are we being called? Are you being called to respond, here I am? Send me. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be done according to your will. Here I am. Because I believe it. I trust it. And I hope and I pray that you wrestle with the nudging on your hearts. And if you are, come find Pastor Kristen and myself. Because we would love to journey with you through this. If you feel like you're being called to lead in a different way, to serve in a way different than how you are leading now, let's talk. Because I believe that there is some exciting energy happening around us. That God is not done with us yet. That God's not done with you yet. And that together, right, we can experience the ongoing birthing of Jesus that happened 2,000 years ago and that we remember and celebrate again and again and again because God's hope and peace and love and joy will reign someday. And we're being invited to be part of that. That's why we come to the table. Right? We continue to retell that story over and over and over again because just like God appeared before uh, Mary through the angel of Gabriel, I believe that these disciples were approached, they were approached by Jesus, the embodiment of hope and joy and peace and love. And I got to think that their first reaction was, what? Me? I'm a tax collector. I'm a fisher. What? And through that journey, even to the table, 
even to the last breath that Jesus had on this earth. God reminded them and us that God is with us. Through the breaking of the bread, through the passing of the cup, God is with us. All right, so that was the second sermon of this Advent series from generation to generation. Uh, next week, we'll continue looking at another component of the story, a uh, story of Joseph and the way that he uh, played a role in God's unfolding story. Uh, check it out next week. In the meantime, hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. There are many ways to get plugged in and connected here at Bothell, and I hope you're finding ways to do so, uh, whether with us or in your local communities. But I pray that this Advent season is one of hope and joy and peace and love for you and your loved ones. Have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you soon.